Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah. And have you ever had concerns about your teen? I know that I have raised a teen stepson. I've worked with teens forever. And right now we're in the midst of a mental health crisis for teens. You, I heard recently um, one of my neighbors, uh, actually her teen was attacked at school. There's teen suicide issues. There's There's been a lot of concerns for teens, especially coming out of the pandemic and as our world has changed. And luckily we have Laura Lyles Reagan, who is going to help us unravel the mystery that is the family dynamic and teen behavior. How are you, Laura? Hey, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really thrilled to be here and talk about this vital topic. It's so timely. So timely. So I know you are a, um, your background is in sociology, not psychology. Do you want to kind of explain the difference? Right. So I always have to share, you know, first and foremost, I'm not a therapist. I'm not licensed to anything, but I am a sociologist and I'm a youth development researcher. So I have um, research out there, original research about what actually impacts teens for adults. So we know from research what can make a difference, even in these changing times with teen mental health. Um, So often, uh, you know, we could rely on social institutions like family and church and school to give the same messaging across the board, but we are in a political climate where that consistency of messaging is not happening and teens are having to struggle for their own sense of identity. So what I often like to share is the positive youth development strategies that we know are research-based that work for teens. And so let's return to that to give, you know, not only individual help through therapeutic interventions, but also that societal support that teens may be missing right now. Um, And the first one is a sense of belonging. You know, who's their tribe? What are they connected to outside of their family? This is a time in, in their lives when they should be defining away from family a little bit and experimenting with who they are. And if we're not providing or uh, working with them to find what their interests are and helping them find their group, if you will, um, then then they miss that identity. And I want to jump in there because you are I won't say preaching to the choir, though that that terminology from Texas, but it's just, oh my gosh, I'm so obsessed with that and obsessed with finding that um, because I was a piano major mm-hmm. um, in college. And so throughout high school, like I didn't need to get in trouble because I was the piano player, right? I had my sense. Of you had an identity, exactly. Yes, I was in choir, I was in this. And, you know, if the kids don't have that sense of identity, they often find it in trouble. May, mm-hmm. may I? They struggle. Yeah, they struggle. Right. Because they are going to get their needs met. In fact, the research demonstrates kids that, you know, um, join gangs are kids that are needing that sense of identity. And I understand that is an extreme, extreme example, but it's a valid human need for all of us to belong. So um, what else does the research say? So I hear a sense of belonging, um, which is more tricky, uh, you know, as 
there's not as many families in church. There's not, the, the church isn't volunteering at the school and the school's not volunteering at the church and kind of a small community feel. Right, exactly. Yes. So we have to co-create that with our teams and you can even do it with the, the pandemic. We saw the teams that were resilient were the ones that, you know, connected online to groups. Um, and sometimes that can be another issue for another podcast because gaming and social media concerns do pop up. But identification with a sense of kinship or tribe is just absolutely vital to who teens are. The second one is power and influence. Teens have to have a voice. And if they grew up, if if we continue that parenting model that you and I grew up with, the authoritarian model, the do what I say uh, kind of model that shuts down communication and doesn't um, foster a sense of emotional intelligence, then teens don't grow up knowing how to voice who they are. And that is such a vital process. It starts in toddlerhood. You know, do you want to wear the red shirt or the blue shirt? The more choices we can provide, the more sense of control we can provide to our teens. And I don't mean they become the parent. I'm, I'm not talking about permissive parenting. They still need structure. But I'm talking about voice. You know, that what I say matters to somebody in my home. Um, I have influence in my world. Um, these are the kids that become the leaders, you know, because they understand advocacy. You know, they join a cause. They get connected. They express their voice. They talk about what's important to them. Um, and if we want to have teens that, you know, are resilient to the mental health crisis right now, they have to have that sense of power and influence in the healthy ways, right? Sure. And as I'm hearing you talk, I'm thinking of my own language in parenting. And so maybe um, even speaking into that identity. So I'm raising I'm raising a son who mm -hmm. I don't have, you know, People are typically like, oh, my gosh, I would love to have your set of problems. So this kid, I'll ask, I'll be like, I'll joke and I'll say, do you want to skip school today? He's like, no, why would I want to skip school? That's okay. <laughs> he loves school. Like he right, loves right, right. a lot of a lot of my parenting language has to be, um, hey, it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really like you don't have to do you can do one book report, not three. For what, like three, he was right, trying to do three, right. our home for one time, him having three, he was wanting to do three books for one book report, like a whole series. And I was like, no, 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 we, we just <laughs> <laughs> Right. And that's, that's a wonderfully gifted kid, right? It has a big, broad vision. And so you want to affirm that leadership and that vision idea, um, mm -hmm. but also allow him the space to have a healthy, balanced life, right? You know, well, let's go play. Let's go, you know, what are you feeling about this? And talk about um, emotional language. Um, one mm -hmm. of the things I do in my parent coaching practice that is really key to this process of power and influence that builds resiliency is the conscious communication skills. I come from the conscious parenting movement in which um, we talk about we don't want to project our past injury, emotional injury onto our kids. We want to show up present in the moment with them. And one of the powerful ways to do that is conscious communication skills, things like active empathetic listening, things like open-ended questions that solicit this voice and vote from teens. Because how are you going to make healthy choices in the future of what your major is, who you're going to hang out with, time management issues, if you've not practiced it throughout 
your childhood and adolescence. So it's really important that that you know connection to the team is primary before we do instruction, before we do uh, quote unquote discipline or provide structure. That connection and relating is you know the hallmark of what parenting is all about. So I know one of the questions of my listeners is what if you have to start from here, which I'm sure you've seen that too. Mm -hmm. Cause mm -hmm. it, when I've had these conversations before, of course it's like, okay, what's well, really important to start from being a toddler. For sure. It sure. is. And, but I work know. with parents of teens all the time. And if we've messed up or we've grown up unconsciously repeating the model that we had of authoritarianism or hierarchical parenting, then you admit that you say, Hey, this isn't working for us right now. And I'm having to change how I connect with you. I'm not meeting your needs. You know, you'd be willing to apologize and, and say, I'm vulnerable here and make mistakes and I'm learning a new way. You know, that's, that's really why I wrote my book, how to raise respectful parents was I was that mom, you know, who grew up in that, um, Con conflicted models, you know, and had to adopt a new model of, of relational parenting in order to get through those teen years because we had a divorce, uh, teen depression, you know, trials and tribulations to go through, family alcoholism, my own recovery, and there's no perfection here. <laughs> but that's exactly why I'm credible, not only through the research, but applying the research, but also the fact that it worked in our lives. Not only did we survive, but we thrived. And I've got awesome, powerful young adult women as daughters who are making their way in the world who still want to talk to me, <laughs> you know, who still seek my advice. And why? It's because we did this relational co-created relationship. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a on the Q&A before this, that was one of the conversations, uh, you know, she was talking about talking to her 17 year old. And, you know, I said, teens always listen if you apologize. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I agree completely and affirm. I want to affirm what you're saying. And when it's like, hey, I'm, I'm figuring this out, too. Right. <laughs> the world right. changed. I grew up, I'm figuring this out too. Here's, here's what I'm thinking or here's what I'm trying. And again, not, not, it is a tough balance, right? Cause you don't want to make them, you want to co-create, but not. Yeah. Not dominate, but not placate either. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You explained it better we, than me. I was like, yeah, we co-create. We co-create. Yeah. And, and I think owning that, you know, creates the way for our teens to make mistakes too and, and embrace their own humanity and say, I'm learning and growing and changing also. So don't think that just because you didn't get it quote unquote consciously perfectly right, um, you know, doesn't mean that you can't grow together and have a wonderful relationship later. That that is something that previous generations, I'm sure, were not told to do. And I know I've told you a little bit about my little perfectionist son. And when I got my book back from my editor, I was like, look at all the mistakes I made. Like I wanted him to see, mm -hmm. look at all the mistakes mm -hmm. I made. Does that mean that it's not going to be a good book or I'm not a good writer? Does that mean I should give up? Does that mean, uh, and in the second right. book that I'm putting out that I've talked to you about, Laura, it's been terrifying. Like I, I just, I had my niche. I've had this whole thing. Now it's more like to men and women and all this stuff. It's just like terrifying, you know? And I would tell my kids, I said, okay, I'm really scared. Do you think that means I should just give up? 
those conversations of like right yeah and we narrate our inner world now and that is such a wonderful model for them to embrace their own humanity quite frankly we don't know what kind of world they're going to inherit we're seeing such changing tumultuous times but we do know that emotional intelligence will be the uh, foundation of their growth and so the more that we can represent that in our relationship the better opportunity they have to grow and um, be resilient through those changes. Emotional intelligence, um, agility of mind. Would, would you say that? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, that can like a look a lot of different ways. But um, being able to rebound, being able to handle change with grit. Yes, absolutely. And I think that asking for help is super key to that. If there's something that you know, causes me pause, whether I'm a teen or an adult, how do I deal with that? You know, do I slow down and go, whoa, let me check in with myself. Let me breathe. What am I feeling? And and am I modeling those skills of, of emotionally checking in? Uh, do I have some mindfulness practice? Do I have some spiritual practice? You know, is prayer and meditation a part of my life? Do I have mentors that I seek? Do I talk about those mentors? Hey, I don't know how to, how to confront this right now. I think I'm going to ask for some help. You know, um, all of that models how to weather the storms. That's something I need to, because I ask for help often. The smarter I get, the quicker I ask for help much more of a mess. I probably didn't ask for help as often. And now it's like, okay, who's, this, who's, this who's the expert here? Right, right, right. Who can be helped? Right. Which yeah. is why that sense of tribe and belonging is so important, right? You know, is, is that we're all connected. We're all, you know, trying to grow through these times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder if my kids see some of that in the online world, you know, my online coaches. So that that's a good reminder for me to, uh, to narrate your inner world and your process, your thinking process, right? I think that's really important. Um, and then that that one of the third strategies, you know, that the research tells us for positive youth development is usefulness, fostering a sense of usefulness. How are how are we not only modeling, demonstrating how we contribute to the world with purpose, but how how do they do that? You know, and we often think that's volunteerism, but it's it's more than just that. It's a mindset, you know, finding something that interests them and giving back, you know, finding a place to contribute. When my pre-parent coaching life was as a nonprofit manager and I was executive director of Boys and Girls Clubs and we had these team service projects and it was hugely successful. Um, Even kids in housing projects would get excited to go and do a home build with Habitat for Humanity because they were helping the poor kids get a home. And they saw that as uh, as something extremely worthy. They were the most committed because they knew how important it was. And they might not ever see home ownership themselves, but they had a roof over their head and they felt like they were contributing in a positive way. So I think that Am I saying that if you have a kid that's locked in their room, that's video addicted and terribly depressed and dark, that you don't need therapy? No, that's not what I'm saying. Am I saying that volunteerism, you know, can change the mental health landscape? No, I'm saying that it is part of these strategies that we know from research work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes sense. I'm always I'm obsessed with healing strategies. And it's like, yeah, if they're locked in one room, 
and then they get locked in another room in a therapy session, it's you could see the sense of usefulness of using your hands, of using your voice, of using mm-hmm. whatever you have um, of that piece. So since you mentioned it, anyway, that kid that is locked in their room, video addicted, um, do you have any advice for that parent? Sure. Um, first of all, conversation, you know, um, and they may be shut down and not want to converse, but that's okay. <laughs> you go converse anyway. And the conscious communication skills that I teach about open-ended questions and active listening um, tend to draw kids out. And, and if it's really dark, you know, you start with side-by-side activity, you know, come cook with me. Don't talk about anything heavy. Come do something side-by-side with me that is at least interactive. Um, Come ask questions about the video game. Come sit down beside them and start a conversation about that. Talk about how you need a healthy, balanced life. You know, um, I've, I've been reading recently that sunlight in the morning affects our sleep patterns, you know. So um, come take a walk with me, you know, before school. Um, what would you like for dinner? Help me make the grocery for this. You know, engage them in simple activities. Um, will it cure depression? No, I actually got a therapist for my daughter when she went through a depression. You know, and I was a sociologist that knew the research. So we asked for help. But right. it, but it shifted my parenting to begin to to talk about um, or utilize these very present oriented interaction strategies about empathetic, active listening, open ended questions, eye messaging. I could talk about my inner world and slowly but surely we engaged the relationship dynamic shifted because it was no longer. Um, you know, top down, it was much more egalitarian. It was co-created. Laura, this has been great. Will you tell people where they can find out more about you and your work? Oh, sure. It's laurallreagan.com. Make sure you use the L and the Reagan's R-E-A-G-A-N. And I have lots of free resources on that website, a blog as well, where I talk about the communication skills and how it can make a difference in teens' lives. And Um, all grow through this process. I also have a book. It's award-winning, How to Raise Respectful Parents, and a course as well with the conscious communication skills. So they can find all the links there on the website. How to Raise Respectful Parents. Uh, That's what stood out so much when when I started, uh, when you and I found each other on the internet, you know, and it it was that. I I love that. Yeah, it's tongue-in-cheek, you know. (laughs) Oh, love it. Laura, thank you so much for helping us on our journey to becoming toxic person proof. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I have a favor to ask you. If you have loved what you're hearing on the Toxic Person Proof podcast or love my book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof, I am asking you to hit subscribe and write a review. You don't even have to use your real name in a review, but it really helps people to know this is information they can trust. This is information that will change their lives, not just more details on narcissism, the details on how to move forward, details on how to take back who you are and know who you are. And I need your help in that. I need your help in spreading the message um, and letting people know this is information they can trust. So be sure and leave a review. Thank you so much. I know so many people want to help others and they say, gosh, I just want to help spread the message and, and help others understand what they've been going through. 
And one of the ways, the easiest ways, it takes like two minutes, um, is leaving a review on the podcast, sharing the podcast, um, or leaving a review on the book, Becoming Toxic Person Proof. Thank you so much for your help as we work together to help the world become toxic person proof. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live, there's tons of support, and most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.